So the other day, I called my grandmama, talked to her about something. You know, normally I would go over there and sit down and talk to her, but you know, with Corona, but them folks say you 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 gotta isolate the elderly, bro. Good night. But anyway, so I called her, started talking to her, you know, and somewhere in the conversation, I go, Grandma, you know, I really didn't know that. Why she hit me with the why? The stuff that you don't know could fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool, you pea-headed hussy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love you too, Grandma. I got, I, you know, a pea-headed hussy is somebody that she loves, you know. But anyway, so I got to thinking about all the stuff that you see on the news, the stuff that you hear in music, and it kind of sheds a bad light on firearms, and at the same time, sometimes it's just totally wrong, man. So this episode is all about dispelling some of those myths. Kick the intro. Tactical Tuesdays with Peach State Armory. Today is Tactical Tuesdays. I am Dr. Osiris Carter, a.k.a. the governor of the great state of guns. You understand me? And, and today is a special day because I am lucky I got Malcolm uh, on the other side of town, socially distanced in a government-mandated, uh, regulated, uh, self-appointed 14-day quarantine. Corona got him over there, so I'm good over here. You understand that? So today is all about letting my inner gun nerd out. Today is all about letting that guy out, man, and letting him roam free, letting him stretch his legs. You understand that? So I am going to take the pleasure of sharing with you guys some knowledge to give you guys basically a baseline level of knowledge so that you can go out here, man, and you can you can also use that knowledge to dispel some of the myths that you hear day in and day out. You know, we all hear it about firearms, bid, and music. Uh, popular culture, be it on the news, you know, we hear these things and it casts a, a, a negative light on firearms. So today, the inner gun nerd of Dr. Carter will provide you guys with the truth. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Let's let's get down to the truth. So, the, the, the first thing that I want to talk about or the, the, the first thing that I want to address and like my grandma would always tell me, you know, I'm I'm gonna cook three or four eggs in this skillet. You understand that? Uh, we we we're gonna talk about this AR platform, man, because you know the the some of these idiots who go out here and perpetrate these crimes with firearms, they they tend to cast a bad light on that AR platform, man. So. The first thing that we're going to talk about today is some of the myths or some of the untruths about the AR platform that you guys may or may not did know. The United States once again finds itself in the throes of gun control debate with the AR-15 semi-automatic rifles. In the past week, assault-style rifles have been Five fully loaded assault rifles, three hand... Maryland's ban on assault rifles sparking... We will also ban all assault rifles. And just a, a, a brief history on this rifle that, that, that has caused so much turmoil in media and everywhere else. Let's let's just talk about the history of the AR-15 rifle. 
So back in the early 1950s, a company named Armalite, A-R-M-A-L-I-T-E, Armalite was founded in Hollywood. Shout out to, to, to Hollywood, you understand that? And they received funding from the Fairchild Engine and Airplane Corporation, which was a, a corporation back in the day that made airplane engines for, for, for Cessnas, on up to, to big aircraft. But anyway, so then in the mid-1950s, Armalite began to design rifles, and then in 1954, the first patent, the AR-5, was, was given to the U.S. Air Force. Off we go into the wild blue yard. The AR-5 was a 22 Hornet. It was chambered in 22 Hornet. Those of you all like myself who fancy the, the 22 long rifle, uh, the Hornet, is, it got some zip, you know, it got some zip. So in 1955, the military was was needing to replace the M1 Garand. Garand was a heavy rifle, had lower capacity. I believe you could put eight, maybe nine rounds in the Garand. Extremely accurate, but again, for field use, it was heavy. At that time, Armalite came up with the AR-10. And a lot of you guys aren't familiar with the AR-10, but the AR-10 is basically an AR-15 that's chambered and the 7.62 by 51 NATO round. At that time, the AR-10 did not pass the torture test. About four or five years later, in 1959, Armalite sold the plans of what we now know of the AR-15 to Colt Firearms. One time to Colt. I, I always wanted me a coat, man, but I, I usually I, I usually look at coat for my 1911. But anyway, between 1959 and 1961, contracts was drawn up, and by 1961, the Air Force actually ordered 80,000 plus AR-15s. Four years later, of course, they gave the 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 military gave it a designation of the M16. But four years later it became the primary service rifle. In Vietnam, I know, well, I don't know, I wasn't there, but. In Vietnam time, I know they, it's reported or it was recorded that at least 300,000 brand new AR-15s was produced and sent to the Vietnam War. But by 1989, the first versions of the AR-15 rifle for civilians were produced. Five years later, you know, if you grew up in that era, the Reagan era, um, the first George Bush era, you understand what I'm about to talk about. Uh, so between 1994 and 2004, we had the Federal Assault Weapons Ban. So basically, this ban said that for civilian use, companies could not produce nor sell these type, these pattern rifles. Now, it is important to note that during this period, during this assault weapons ban, that ban did little to nothing to cut down on gun violence. I just thought I'd throw that out there. For all you politicians listening, I just thought I'd throw that one out there. Um, But anyway, so after 2004, of course, you know, things kind of opened back up. And we have now a market that is inundated. And I mean inundated with AR-15 pattern rifles. I am happy to say that thank you, Glock, for not even venturing into that arena. We don't want you out here making rifles because you can barely make pistols. (laughs) You understand me? You can barely make pistols. (laughs) That's so funny. Last time I heard that, I laughed so hard I fell off my dinosaur. Now, let us get to these three or four eggs that we cooking in this one skillet. Say what? 
Number one, the AR does not stand for assault rifle. Listen to me. Listen, guys. Write this down. Tattoo this on your forehead. The AR and AR-15 does not stand for assault rifle. All you news anchors, all you rappers, all you parents who out here telling folks that AR means assault rifle, you're wrong. And please stop doing that, man. AR is Armalite Rifle. That's what it is. Armalite Rifle. AR-15, and there are several different versions of this pattern of rifle. You got the AR-7, AR-10, AR-15. I believe there's an AR-20. Um, so there are several different sizes, versions, whatever you want to call it, of the AR pattern rifle. Um, the most popular, of course, being the AR-15. AR-15, most versions or most modern versions uh, shoot the 5.56 NATO round which is synonymous in civilian use of the 223 caliber. The second myth that I want to dispel is that by banning these rifles, and we saw this during the, the federal assault weapons ban, banning of these rifles, guys, and I, I'm sorry to say it. I, I'm probably not sorry to say it, but anyway, banning of these rifles does not equate to lower gun crime. Say what? I'm sorry. It just does not equate to lower gun crime. And actually, and I don't know if this is the state of Georgia or this is nationwide. I know it's the state of Georgia, but for a long time, the 22 long rifle is the caliber that has accounted for more deaths than any other chambering firearm that you can buy. It's not going to reduce crime. And actually, actually, and if you think about this logically, what you're going to do is end up creating a higher black market for those things. Another myth about the AR platform rifles is that civilians don't need them. Wow. Wow. How can someone not related to me, someone that does not live in my household, someone that, that, that knows nothing about me, tell me what I don't need? Do yourself a favor. First thing, get a firearm. I was on a panel one time, and at the time it was Senator Donzella James, and she actually kicked me off the panel for what I was saying. Shame on you, Donzella. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was on a panel one time speaking about this very same thing, and someone in the crowd told me that there was no need for civilians to have AR-15 rifles. And that shocked the bejesus out of me because AR-15 rifles – are used for plinking, uh, you know, just for fun shooting, for, for sport shooting, for competition shooting. Uh, some people use them for hunting. And when I brought up the fact that some people use them for hunting, whoever was in the crowd that mentioned that to me decided that they wanted to tell me that whatever that rifle hits is going to destroy the meat so it won't be any good to eat. <laughs> that is a myth. And actually, if you are a hunter or if you have did any hunting ever, the old mantra, one shot, one kill, holds true. And you're actually not shooting into the fleshy, meaty part. You're trying to shoot to put that animal down. But anyway, that's, a, that's, that's another story for another day. But, you know, several myths exist about the AR platform rifle. Um, it does not account for as many killings and deaths that people say they are just because they're big and they look mean. 
The AR does not stand for assault rifle. There are several, several reasons for civilians who are desirous of owning this platform of rifle to own one. Now, the, the, the next part of the conversation deals more with trying to correct the vernacular that we're using when we're describing parts of a firearm more than we are dispelling myths. And, you know, it's it's our duty at PSA to make sure when you're talking about firearms that you are able to command the vernacular with precision. You know what I'm talking about? So what we want to do is talk a little bit about the differences between what a magazine is and what a clip is. I used to watch chips, now I load block clips. The busting cats with this say he that load a clip up on my lips. She think I'm finished. I load another clip. Look at I load my clip, I throw my eyes blurry. Who wanna go to the moon? I'm screaming reload clip. So for everybody that's walking around with a modern semi-automatic firearm, be it a rifle, a pistol, and in some cases a shotgun, here goes nothing. Uh, a magazine is an ammunition storage and feeding device that is either attached or detachable from a repeating firearm. Repeating firearm basically means a semi-automatic firearm. Your pistols, again, rifles like your AR-15s, AR-10s, any pistol that you can around except for revolvers, of course. You know, and some shotguns. That's what a magazine is. All right. A clip is something that was used a long damn time ago. A long, long time ago. Now, stripper clips, or more affectionately known as clips, they're basically like speed loaders. So it's, it's a metal strip where you can attach about five to ten rounds to it. And they're usually used, well, they were originally used on older rifles like the SKS came out of the Soviet Union or the Mosin Nagant, which was a, a Russian rifle, Russian boat action rifle, actually. Um, but anyway, so those had an internal box magazine. So the magazines were not detachable like the rifles like we have today. So at any rate, what you would do is you would attach five to 10 rounds to these stripper clips. You would put the stripper clip uh, in through the breech or the top of the rifle and simply press down on the rounds. The rounds would then self-load into the internal box magazine. And that was the purpose of a stripper clip. Once those rounds loaded down into that box magazine, you take that stripper clip off and you put it up and you can load more rounds onto it. Or you throw, if you're in the field and you're at war, you throw that guy away. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just saying, I think you got to think about your options. And even within clips, there were different kinds of clips. So each rifle had a specific clip that worked with it very well. So the Mauser had a specific clip. The M1 Garand, which America's military used for a long time, had a specific clip. The Mosin the Gun had a specific clip. And the, the, the main difference was how that clip was either removed from the firearm or ejected from the firearm, whatever you want to call it after those rounds had been pressed into whatever magazine mechanism they had. Now, the the gun nerd in me, because he, he's still out, the gun nerd in me would be remiss if I didn't tell you guys that clips are still used today. But what I am going on record and saying is that old dog was not sitting in the back of AWACS car loading up a clip. All right, he was loading up a magazine. 
So Rose, uh, Big Boy, Ice T, Great Nas, rest in peace, Tupac, all you guys, y'all using the wrong vernacular, man. And it's wrong. And like Phyllis used to tell me all the time, man, if you're gonna do something, make sure you do it right. You understand that? So Clip versus Magazine. What you guys have today, those are called magazines. We're not using clips out here, guys. So if we're not using them, let's not use that word. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Now, this last one, this last one is more about just trying to provide a, a, a moment of clarity. Uh, shout out to young ho, you understand me? Young H.O., <laughs> yeah, the big homie, you know what I'm talking about? But anyway, a moment of clarity for a, a common misconception about defensive engagements when there's a firearm being used. Now, we, we know it's, it's been understood that the gun nerd is out today. The gun nerd is all about research. This time, the FBI did the research for it. So there's a year-over-year -year study that concludes that if there's a defensive engagement and a handgun is used, this defensive engagement lasts three seconds. There are three rounds discharged. And the two or whatever, the participants are within three yards of each other. Now, if you unpack that, that's very, very quick. That's very, very close. And that's very, very quick. <laughs> you understand me? But it's it's a lot different from what you see on the movies, from what you see on TV, what you hear about in pop culture. It ain't like you 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 sitting in Beirut somewhere and you 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 going through five different magazines. It's not like that, guys. The reality of it is this: it's gonna be quick, which leads me to the question that you hear so much on the PSA podcast: is what have you been trained for? Has your training prepared you for that rule of three? Has your training prepared you? to get three shots off on target in three seconds at nine or 10 feet. Are you prepared? It's been that all month, guys. Are you prepared? Did you see the memo about this? Like I always tell you, if you ain't got one, you better go get you one. It's the tactical accessory of the day. Now, today's tactical accessory, just like today's episode, guys, I'm gonna do it a little different. Today's tactical accessory is actually going to be a, a combo, if you will. But for the main part, today's tactical accessory hovers around the Blue Force Gear Vickers Combat Application Sling. Now, this is my baby. Um, and I've got it coupled with the MS1 to the MS4 adapter from Magpul. Um, but at any rate, it's basically a sling and adapter that I use for my AR-15 pistol. I've got the Sig Sauer, of course. <laughs> I got the Sig Sauer P516. I was always coached and taught that your sling is going to be just like the holster for your pistol. In other words, it's a necessity. Like Uncle Malcolm would say, Mando. You understand that? And this sling is amazing. It's adjustable. You can adjust it on the fly. It's got the QD quick detachable uh, mounts on the end of the adapter. And, of course, with the uh, SIG AR platforms, there are several, several, several QD mounts all over that little bugger, man. So 
I love this sling. And guess where I got him from? Guess where I got him? Guess where I got him from? Got him from the SIG Pro Shop up in Exeter, New Hampshire. So, you know, all you Glock guys, go to a real firearms institute, man. You understand me? But anyway, so I love this Blue Force Gear sling. MS1 and MS4 adapter, you can't beat it. Cheer! And you know we always got to send some shots down range. And today's shots down range goes to the NSSF. That's the National Sports Shooting Foundation of which uh, PSA is a proud standing member of. Anyway, the NSSF's government relations, state and federal affairs teams are working at no end, are working to no end, man, trying to make sure that they keep our industry working. They are now working trying to get all firearm ammunition manufacturers, retailers, distributors, and even shooting ranges deemed as essential businesses. Um, they're trying to get that uh, designation attached to those to this industry so that those businesses are able to remain open during this pandemic. Um, so we just want to get some shots down range to the NSSF, man. Keep the industry working. Yeah, make sure you go to www.peachstatearmory.com. Make sure you check out the Pro Shop. Also, for everybody that's getting back on your training, that's getting back into the training, make sure you go to the website, download your free training aids. I am your boy, Dr. Osiris Carter. And for a small period of time during my teenage years, I may or may not have rolled with Pancho V. <laughs> Y'all be easy, man. Remember, watch your six, stay low, and wash your hands.